now have the absolute honour and privilege to have the beautiful Lisa Gowan sharing with us. And I know she's got a great word for us as a church, speaking into the season that we've been in as a community. So let's give her a big hand as she comes. Thanks, Lise. Good morning. Hold on a second. Multitasking, sort of. Um, cool. So, I love that song you guys just sung. And these guys didn't have a sneak peek into what I was going to be talking about today. But today I'm actually talking about the shepherd in the ashes. Um, so, that gives you a hint of where we're going. But um, I guess just to start off with, I want to acknowledge the season that we're in. Um, so, there's not a single person in our community that's immune from what's been going on with the fires. Um, they've engulfed our community locally, but also up and down the coast and across our nation as well. It's so easy to get caught up in what's happening in our area, but these fires are right across our nation as well. Um, there's so much darkness that is literally surrounding us, whether it's, um, you know, similar to a video that Lee shared during the week of that firestorm coming through and the skies turn into night as that fire front hits or when communities have lost power for, you know, a week and a half on end. Yeah. Or whether it's the outpourings of fear and rage from different people um, in the community. But I guess the thing is, in addition to those, I guess, physical and, and emotional experiences in the moment, um, we need to also acknowledge just the weariness that comes from being in this state for a long time. So the Karawan fire started in November, out in the hills in remote areas. So, you know, these fires have been going for two months now. And there's a weariness that comes from the uncertainty and the fear and the inundation on media and conversations where every, I know on my Facebook, every second post um, or more, is about the fires and there's an exhaustion that comes from that exposure on top of the experience. And so there's a fatigue that's actually beyond words and beyond description that a lot of people are experiencing right now. And so today I guess I want to speak into some of that a little bit. But also, um, as we would all know, there's incredible beauty and compassion and generosity and grace that is rising and that we are seeing. Um, and that's not just from the churches. Across faiths, across experiences, people are rising. I've got family in Canada who are like, right, <laughs> what can I do? And are wanting to donate to things locally in our community. Um, right across the world, there are people responding with grace and compassion, wanting to know how to help, as well as in our local community. And we've seen so many people rise and give and volunteer. Um, it's, that actually moves me to tears more often than the devastation, um, just seeing the beauty of our community rising. Um, and so there's things that we can all do. We can donate time in volunteering. We can donate resources. We can donate money. Um, but as time goes on, people not directly affected are going to move on with their lives and that donation is going to wean off and 
there's still going to be people hurting. And so I guess what I wanted to talk to today was how we actually position ourselves at a deeper level to continue to be a light in the darkness. Because for some people, this darkness is not going to end soon. So it's a time for us to carry each other's hearts as well as the heart of our community with delicacy and with a love that's going to help people find healing. And so we are actually called to be a light in this moment of darkness in our community. But we need to do that well. And we need to do it in a way that doesn't add more injury and more pain into people's lives. And it's really hard to do that when the crisis is so widespread and when there's actually no end in sight. Um, so today there's two main things I want to talk about and it's about how we position ourselves to do this for other people or how we do it for ourselves depending on our circumstances. So two main things. One is recognising and taking responsibility for our own emotional and spiritual state. And secondly, forging our own solid foundation for this season. Because it's different to any other season most of us have been through. So firstly, our emotions. So our emotions will often be the thing that determines the direction of our thoughts, our words and our actions. And in times like this, our emotions can be so heightened that it can overwhelm our ability to hear from the Spirit and to hear what God actually wants us to do and to say in this time. So if we can recognise and take responsibility for our emotions, then we can make way for the Spirit. So a few thoughts I want to share with you about emotional intelligence, I guess. Um, so you only have to spend five minutes on social media to see the outpouring of anger directed at everyone, at everything, every circumstance, every person. Um, comments are being taken wildly out of context. Um, I made one little comment on an RFS post. Um, someone took it out of context. It turned into this massive thing within five minutes with 50 comments and people personally attacking me. Um, and I just kind of went, whoa, that was never the intention, and deleted it. Um, we have to recognise how much pain is on the surface and in the deeper levels and learn wisdom in what and how we say it. Um, so I read a really powerful quote recently and it really stuck with me. Um, I sat with my anger long enough until she told me that her name was Grief. So often we think we feel one thing, but underneath it's actually something different. And so in light of the community experiences at the moment and the personal experiences, we actually need to take responsibility and time to sit with our own emotions long enough for them to tell us our, their real name. That's uncomfortable, <laughs> but critical. And so for me, I was feeling so much anger um, at the start of all of this. Why haven't people done this? And why haven't people done this? And why has it ended up like this? And why aren't people doing more? But then I thought back to that quote and I sat back and I just realised, man, it's not anger. That's the expression of it. But it's a grief that has been sitting within me, interwoven with a fair chunk of fear. 
not fear for my own life, but as most of you guys will know, Adam's out there fighting the fires. And every time he gets called out or every time I hear those sirens go past, my heart rate goes up because I'm scared for him and what that looks like for our family if something happened. That's where he is this morning, actually, if you're wondering. Um, so helping me, or me understanding the actual base of my emotions has helped me to respond differently to people when I'm talking to them. When I'm confronted with anger, I'm able to sit back and go, actually, you're not, at, you're not angry at me. There's something else going on here. Or when I see the comments on social media, it's easy for me to step back and kind of go, nope, I don't need to respond here or I don't need to respond in that way. I can do this instead. But beyond that immediate emotional response that we're facing, there's a thing called somatic memory. So somatic memory is the body's actual ability to hold the physical and emotional sensations of the past and the disruptive patterns that happen within our body and within our brain hardwiring from past trauma. And what happens is it's, it's another form of memory. And so when we're in another situation of threat or danger, those memories rise up. And so for a lot of people, the experiences they're having now and the responses they're having now, it's not just to this trauma. It is to two weeks ago when they got evacuated. It is to four weeks ago when they also got evacuated. It's like we've had people through the evacuation centre who have evacuated four times. <laughs> um, you know, it's to things that happened 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 50 years ago. So when we are looking at our own responses in this season and the responses of other people, things might seem like, wow, this seems like a really severe response to what your experiences are right now. But we need to remember, we don't know their story and we don't know what other trauma is being stored in their body and that people's responses are the combination of all of that. And so yes, God can heal that previous trauma that our body carries, absolutely. But not everyone has stepped into that place to receive that healing. So it is so important that we show that grace to ourselves and to other people in this time. So anger, grief, pain, fear, in and of themselves aren't bad. They're, they, they're helpful in a lot of ways in how we respond to situations. But how we wield them is important because they can become a weapon. And no one needs another weapon right now. We're facing enough. And we can't carry the pain of our community when we're busy firing off opinions and accusations and words that have the potential to hurt others. So I just encourage you guys to show grace to yourselves and to slow down and give yourself the space you need emotionally and cognitively to work through what's going on, but also to allow and extend that same space to others. Don't take things personally. Just recognise that everyone's hurting and they're going to express that in their own way. But the bit I want to focus on today is choosing our foundation. So as we walk through the wilderness periods in our lives, and in this case through the fires and through the pain, it's actually in that place of darkness and lostness, I don't know if that's a word, but it is now, lostness, that we have the potential 
to lose this concept of God up here in the sky, somewhere distant, and actually be found by him in a very personal and new way in those valleys and in those dark places. And so that's really what I want to focus in on today. And so in doing that, we're going to walk through Psalm 23 and we're going to rediscover our shepherd and the shepherd who's walking with us through the flames and helping us to find beauty in the ashes. So Psalm 23, and I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version, but I think it will be up in NIV. So there might be a few differences. Um, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. So we've often read this psalm. Um, And so what I share today is probably not going to be new. It's probably just going to be a reminder. Um, But sometimes we need that reminder. So this psalm speaks with an authority and a confidence that does not come unless someone's actually walked through the darkest of valleys and been found by God there. So one commentator wrote, what David writes is not poetic exaggeration or theoretical theology. He has experienced God in these ways, heard his voice, followed his lead, felt his care. Beneath the beauty of his words, there are solid convictions that have been formed in the crucible of crisis. And, you know, that's where our community's at. We're in that crucible of crisis. And so it is a time where each of us can be found by God afresh. So throughout the psalm, we see a shift in language between David talking about God in the good times to talking to God in the darkest times. And I know for me, this is really often true. I can talk about God when things are going really well, but I'm far more likely to be talking to God when it's all hitting the fan and when there's pain and there's uncertainty. Um, So we see that change in David commenting about God. He restores my soul. Compared with communing with God, you are with me. God allowed him to spend time in the valley, but he also led him through the valley and did not abandon him there. And during his valley time, David stayed close to the shepherd, experiencing him in a way that drew him into a deeper intimacy that remained with him when he was back in the light. But the bit I want to focus on is how David actually made it through that valley. What do we learn from the psalm about what he learnt there? And then that knowledge will hopefully help us as we fight fear, grief, anger and pain and uncertainty for ourselves and our community right now when we don't know what's going to happen next and imaginations can go into overtime. So, firstly, from David's valley experience, 
we can see that he stayed in God's presence. David speaks of God's nearness and his presence. When I walk through the valley and the darkness, you are with me. Not, you might turn up, I hope I'll see you there, or you're waiting for me on the other side. But there's a conviction born of experience that God is with him in that darkest place. And so when we step into the valley, or the fires, and it's so dark that we can't see a road ahead, we need to know that our shepherd has something he wants us to hear. And that message is, I will be with you. Deuteronomy 13.6 promises, Be strong and bold. Have no fear or dread of them, because it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Psalm 118.5, Out of my distress I called on the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. And then Romans 8 promises, promises us that nothing can separate us from God's love for us. If we can trust in his love to be with us, we can trust in his presence to be with us too. So just Romans 8. Um, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day, we are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is no valley, or in our case fire, no matter how long or how dark, that we will go through alone. God will always be with us. And if we can keep that as a key part of our foundation in this season, it's going to go a long way in how we respond personally, but how we help hold our community in this time. So secondly, in the season in the valley, David saw God's power. And so the reference to this is the shepherd's rod that we hear him talking about the rod and the staff that provide comfort. So one description I read of a shepherd's rod was that it was a two-foot club made of oak with a rounded head that was whittled from the knot of the tree and had sharp bits of metal pounded into it. So the club, or the rod, was actually used to defend the sheep, the sheep and the flock against attacks. So the rod is a picture of the shepherd's power and willingness to step in and defend against the enemies. So it's a, that image of power. And because of that image of power, David had comfort and he had no fear in the adversity because of that. He knew that God, the shepherd with his rod, would protect him from whatever would come against him. And that power is ready to protect us as well. And we know from John, 1 John 4, 4, that greater is God who is in us than he that is in the world. So we don't have the answers for why things get destroyed in, in this time, why 
good people lose everything. But we can trust that God's power is still on our side and he's still there ready um, to be called in on our behalf to stand for us and stand with us. So the third thing that we see is that David experienced God's leading in the valley. And this is the staff. So the staff is the shepherd's crook with its hook on the one end. Um, and so a good shepherd would use it to guide the sheep, protecting them from straying away. So a little tap on the bum um, to move them back into the fold if they were wandering off. Or the crook being used to gather up the sheep from a place where it had fallen, lifting it and helping it to move forward again. David felt comforted with his shepherd and that his shepherd was guiding his steps in the valley, making sure that he made it through the darkness safely. We see through just these few verses referring to the valley that David was supremely confident, not only about his present circumstances, but of the grace and the protection that would follow him on the other end of the valley and all the way home. The things he learned about God couldn't be learned through any other way but through the deep shadows in the darkest times. It's one thing to have the theory of God walking with you through the valley. It's another thing to have the experience of it. So he stayed close. He trusted in God's protection and guidance throughout that experience or those experiences. And as a result, he could very confidently say, the Lord is my shepherd. And I wonder in this season and in this time where each of us sit on that level of confidence about the Lord as our shepherd. As we look out at the smoke, as we stand in the ashes, can we confidently say the Lord is my shepherd? Hopefully if we can't do it now, as we keep growing in our relationship with God through this season and God finds us there, hopefully we'll have an increased conviction of that at the end. So Psalm 23 talks about a lot more than just the valleys, though. So um, this was something I was planning to kind of talk through in a bit more detail at another time, but it kind of felt like this passage of Scripture was good to share now. Um, but there's a breakdown that I saw on social media of Psalm 23 that talks about all the promises of God in each of the different sections of it. And I just want to read that out because this is about, it's about the valley, but it's about more than the valley as well. So the Lord is my shepherd, our relationship with God. I shall not want the supply that God gives us. He makes me lie down in green pastures. In God we find rest. He leads me beside still waters. It's in God that we can find our times of refreshing. He restores my soul the healing that only God can bring. He leads me in right paths, the guidance and the wisdom. For his name's sake, the purpose that God has for each of us. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, the trials that come our way, I fear no evil, the protection that he has for us. For you are, for you are with me, the faithfulness of God through everything. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me, the power and the peace. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, hope and reunification. You anoint my head with oil, consecration, 
My cup overflows the abundance and the generosity of God. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Blessing. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. Security. The promises of God to us as the shepherd through the ashes are immense and they defy our imagination in the fullness and the greatness of what they can bring. So in these times, our community needs us just as we need each other. But we need to find the strength and the grace to be a light in this time, not caught up in the darkness as well and not a source of greater darkness or pain through our own emotional state and the overflowing of that onto other people. So E.E. E. Cummings wrote a poem with the line, I carry your heart, I carry it in my heart. And we need to have the strength within ourselves to carry not only our own hearts at this time, but the hearts of a community that's hurting with immeasurable pain and fear. So to respond to our own pain and to safely hold the pain of others, we need to, and hopefully I've touched on this a little bit for you to think about, recognise and take responsibility for our own emotions, but we also need to find that secure foundation in God in this season, in this present darkness. And find ourselves again in the arms of the shepherd who's with us amongst the flames and who's with us in the ashes. Oh, wasn't that so beautiful? Thank you, Lisa, and so timely. And I just think um, we're going to stand and continue to worship that last song that you guys sang. And I just think God might continue to minister into exactly what Lisa was saying, into our hearts. So, um, yeah, thank you, God. Uh, I just thank you for those words that Lisa said straight from your heart. Even as we worship now, God, for anyone who might be just feeling some of those, that pain or that anger or those just unresolved feelings that Lisa was talking about, God, I just thank you that you'll be touching on those things, God. I thank you that you would be bringing a deep healing work in our hearts, strengthening hearts so that we can not only carry our own hearts but the hearts of the community, as Lisa said, into this next season, God. And we thank you that you are with us and you're our shepherd and um, you're with us always. Amen. Thank you, team.